Welcome to episode 24 of Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and producer of this series. If you've not already viewed episode 2, which includes my primer on numerology in Revelation, I urge you to do so, since understanding how John used numerology is critical to understanding Revelation and this series. In this episode, the focus is on chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, which some versions of the King James translation call the marriage of the Lamb. Chapter 19 is the first of two chapters in Act 4 of the divine drama that forms the second half of Revelation and which I explained in episode 17. St. John's perspective at the opening of chapter 19 changes from earth looking to heaven to a view from heaven. The illustration for nearly all the slides in this episode is adapted from Folio 46, Jubilation Over the Fall of Babylon from the Bamberg Apocalypse, an early 11th century illuminated manuscript of Revelation. I have divided the reading from chapter 19 into two parts, the first of which is verses 1 through after these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Alleluia! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen! Alleluia! Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. The beginning of chapter 19 offers readers no uh, introduction, as in Revelation, no invitation, as in Revelation 4, verse 1, to come up here, but for the first time since chapter 9, St. John is in heaven reporting what he sees and what he hears there. A great multitude in verse 1. The great multitude is known in the Western Church, largely thanks to the narrative in the Gospel of St. Luke, as the heavenly hosts. St. Paul and St. James called them, as the Hebrew people did in pre-Christian times, the Sabaoth in Isaiah 1 verse 9, Romans 9 verse 29, and James 5 verse 4, which means God is the Lord God of hosts. They are also called the armies of heaven in Revelation 19 verse 14. 
In the Anglican prayer book Canticle, the Te Deum Laudamus, God is praised as Lord God of Sabaoth. This great multitude breaks into joyful praise to the Lord in verses 1b, 2, 3, and 4. They begin in verse 1 and repeat in verses 3 and 4, and again later in verse 6, the only four uses in the New Testament of the Hebrew praise phrase, Alleluia. Phonetically, in Hebrew, it is Hallelujah, literally, praise to Yah, from the tetragrammaton YHWH, the placeholder for the unspeakable name of God. The phrase can also be translated, if less poetically, as praise to the Lord. The Old Testament precedent is the 17 uses of the phrase, counting both forms, Alleluia and praise to the Lord, in the prayer book version of the Psalter. In the King James Version, the last five Psalms, 146 to 150, either begin or end with praise to the Lord. This unique use in Revelation is another indicator of St. John's extensive knowledge of the Hebrew tradition in which he was raised. Another phrase first heard in Revelation 4.11, in that case sung by the 24 elders before the 24 thrones, appears in verse 1. They say that to God alone belong glory, honor, and power. To this list, the heavenly hosts add salvation. The Old Testament precedent for God as Savior is Psalm 106.21, and they forget God their Savior, who had done so great things in Egypt. In many of the Psalms, the Hebrew people praise God for their literal salvation from captivity in Egypt and specifically list his accomplishments. The prophet Isaiah was among the earliest to suggest God as Savior in the spiritual sense in Isaiah 19, 20, 43, 3, and 11, 45, 15, and 21, 49, 26, 60, verse 16, and 63, 8. And so do Jeremiah and Hosea. Among the New Testament precedents is John 4, verse 42, in which Jesus is called Prince and Savior, also as Savior of the world in 1 John 4, verse 14, and in Revelation 7.10, the sealing of God's servants in episode 12, and Revelation 12.10, the angel's proclamation in episode 17, as well as frequent use of similar words and phrases in the writings of St. Paul, St. Luke, St. Peter, and St. Jude. The phrase in verse 2, true and righteous are his judgments, was first heard in Revelation 16.7 in the doxology, or tenth song in Revelation, which was sung by the angel from the altar 
during the fourth of the bold plagues discussed in episode 21. The point in Revelation 19.2, as well as the song in Revelation 16.7, is that only a true and righteous God has the power to judge, and he has used it to destroy Babylon, from which smoke rises forever and ever. In verse 4, there is another use of a Greek word derived from Hebrew worship, Amen, for the seventh time so far in Revelation, 1, 6, and 7, 2, 18, 3, 14, 5, 14, and 7, 12. In some other New Testament uses, at the end of a prayer, it means so be it. But in verse 4, to which the translator has added an exclamation point for emphasis, it is a strong declaration that there is nothing more to be said. John will use it in that way again later in Revelation. In Revelation 3.14, Amen was used as a title of Christ. Verse 5 includes the 11th song in Revelation. A voice from the throne says, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. The phrase became one of the most popular in Christian worship in both the Western and Eastern Church traditions. In Eastern Church liturgies, the phrase is spoken by a deacon rather than the people or the priest. Great and small suggests universality, although it is limited to those who fear him. John used nearly the same term in Revelation eleven eighteen, the song of the 24 elders, upon the sounding of the seventh trumpet, discussed in episode 16, those who fear your name small and great. It was used in Revelation 14, 7, fear God and give glory, and Revelation 15, 4, called the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, discussed in episode 20 and 21. And finally, later, small and great appears again in Revelation 19, 18 and Revelation 20, verse 12. The second reading from chapter 19 is verses 6 through 10. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, 
who have the testimony of Jesus worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The great multitude from verse 1 reappears in verse 6, but instead of their voices, St. John hears, quote, the sound of many waters and the sound of, quote, mighty thunderings, both common Hebrew forms of describing the presence of God, mostly based on Exodus 19, verse 16, and first mentioned in Revelation 110b in episode 3, Revelation 8.5 in episode 13, Revelation 10.3b in episode 15, 11.19 in, in episode 16, and Revelation 16, verse 17 in episode 21. There have been many earlier references into the old, to the Old Testament precedents for the allusion to many waters, including in Psalm 29, attributing to God the making of the waters, which I discussed in episode 15, regarding Revelation 10, verse 3b, and episode 20, regarding Revelation 14, 2. Verse 6 also includes an important oddity in both the King James Version and the New King James Version. As in verses 1, 3, and 4, the voices say, Alleluia, or praise to the Lord. But then they add a title of God, saying, The Lord God Omnipotent reigns. In the Greek New Testament, the phrase is, Kyrios o Theos o Pantocrator. The phrase is translated accurately as either Almighty or Lord Almighty in all other uses in Revelation. 1 8, 4 8, 11 17, 15 3, 16 verse 7 and 14, and later in this chapter in 19 15 and again in 21 verse 22. Nowhere else in either the Old or the New Testament except Revelation 19.6 is this phrase, Pantocrator, translated as omnipotent. Every other English major English language translation other than King James and New King James render it as almighty. In verse 7, the voice from heaven implies a conjoining of heaven and earth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. In verse 8, he announces the marriage of the Lamb that has come. This is a spiritual marriage with his wife ready, dressed in pure white linen, a traditional symbol of purity, and in this case, symbolic of the righteous acts of the saints. I will discuss the symbolism of marriage in its Old and New Testament context in the commentary on verses 9 and 10. In verse 9, the angel instructs John to write the fourth beatitude in Revelation. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The angel declares that these are the true sayings of God. 
The Old Testament precedent is the Hebrew tradition that the relationship between man and God was a marriage. Perhaps John had Hosea 2.20 in mind. I will betroth you to me forever. Yea, yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. The illustration is an early 18th century Russian Orthodox icon from the iconostasis at the Church of the Transfiguration in the Kiji Monastery in Karelia, Russia. Another precedent is Isaiah 54 verse 5. For your maker, with a capital M, is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. The illustration is an 11th century mosaic of Isaiah's prophecy of the virgin birth at the Neomoni Monastery in the, on the island of Chios, Greece. The clearest parallel in the New Testament is the image of Christ wedded to his church in St. Paul's commentary on marriage in Ephesians 5, 22-27. And for this slide, the illustration is an unfinished 14th century icon of St. Paul by the renowned Russian icon painter Andrei Rublyov. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. The final verse, verse 10, includes an idea which first appeared in Revelation 3, verse 9, discussed in episode 6. In that episode, I pointed out a translation error in both the King James Version and the New King James Version, which says, I will make them, meaning the Jews at Philadelphia, come and worship before your feet. The Greek word is proskuneo, which should be rendered in English as show homage, not worship. As you will hear in the next slide, the angel points out that worship, is owed only to God. And St. John is taught that theological lesson by the angel in verse 10. When St. John, quote, fell at the angel's feet to worship him, the angel rebuked him with an exclama two exclamation points. See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus Worship God. This is a restatement of the first and second commandment in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 4, 
commanding worship of God alone and the prohibition of idols. The same angelic rebuke is repeated later in Revelation in chapter 22, verses 8 and 9. St. John here delivers a message. Here's the message from the angel, do not do that, which members of liturgical denominations like the Anglican and others who use crosses should always remember. The faithful may venerate such religious objects as icons and crosses or other church decorations and objects, and also persons such as bishops and archbishops, but always remembering that they are symbols only. They should be venerated. Worship should be reserved for and directed toward God only. Next time in episode 25, we will continue our discussion of chapter 19 with verses 11 through 21. Thank you for joining me for episode 24 in Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. This internet-based ministry is entirely supported by public contributions and book sales. You can help by making a donation in any amount payable to the Anglican Internet Church and sending it to our business office address, 7162 Softwind Lane, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23111. Or you can purchase any of our books through my author page, www.amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald E. Shibley with a hyphen between each of the three words. 100% of all book royalties are contributed to the AIC. You can like us and subscribe to our podcast at our Podbean site, which hosts our extensive collection of hundreds of MP3 podcasts on a variety of topics. And while you're at our YouTube page, I invite you to join our Google Plus circle by clicking the subscribe button. As a Google Plus member, you'll receive notice of each new video. Our new URL address is www.youtube.com right slash C right slash St. John C with Saint spelled out. Or you can follow us and like us on our Facebook page. And you can use either the full address that is on the screen or go to our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, then use the link. And then after you're at the AIC Facebook page, bookmark it for easy return. Or you can read and subscribe to my weekly blog posts, anglicaninternetchurch.wordpress.com. Finally, you can request a weekly update, a weekly email with the latest news and links to the most recent videos, podcasts, blog posts, and publications. Send your request to me at frron.stjohnanglican at earthlink.net. The names and addresses of all recipients of the weekly update are blocked to protect your privacy. You can remove your name at any time simply by sending another email request.
If you'd like to speak with me personally about this program or any other subject, please call 804-559-2690. The best times are 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday, Eastern Time. If you do not reach me, please leave your name, a message, and a callback number. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.